Chapter Two of the Search by Grace Livingston Hill. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Like Many Waters. Chapter Two. Ruth MacDonald drew up her little electric runabout sharply at the crossing as the station gate suddenly clanged down in her way, and sat back with a look of annoyance on her face. Michael of the crossing was so over-careful sometimes that it became trying she was sure there was plenty of time to cross before the down train she glanced at her tiny wrist-watch and frowned why it was fully five minutes before the train was due what could michael mean standing there with his flag so importantly and that determined look upon his face she glanced down the platform and was surprised to find a crowd there must be a special expected what was it a convention of some sort or a picnic it was late in the season for picnics, and not quite soon enough for a college football game. Who were they, anyway? She looked over them and was astonished to find people of every class—the workers, the wealthy, the plain everyday men, women, and children—all with a waiting attitude and a strange seriousness upon them. As she looked closer she saw tears on some faces, and handkerchiefs everywhere in evidence. Had someone died? was this a funeral train they were awaiting strange she had not heard then the band suddenly burst out upon her with a familiar wail there's a long long trail a-winding into the land of our dreams and behind came the muffled tramping of feet not accustomed to marching together ruth suddenly sat up very straight and began to watch an unfamiliar awe upon her this must be the first draftman just going away of course why had she not thought of it at once she had read about their going and had heard people mention it the last week but it had not entered much into her thoughts she had not realized that it would be a ceremony of public interest like this she had no friends to whom it would touch the young men of her circle had all taken warning in plenty of time and found themselves a commission somewhere two of them having settled up matters but a few days before she had thought of these draftmen when she had thought of them at all only when she saw mention of them in the newspapers and then as a lot of workmen or farmers boys who were reluctant to leave their homes and had to be forced into patriotism in this way it had not occurred to her that there were many honorable young men who would take this way of putting themselves at the disposal of their country in her time of need without attempting to feather a nice little nest for themselves now she watched them seriously and found to her astonishment that she knew many of them there were three college fellows in the front ranks whom she had met she had danced with them and been taken out to supper by them and had a calling acquaintance with their sisters the sister of one stood on the sidewalk now in the common crowd quite near to the runabout and seemed to have forgotten that anybody was by her face was drenched with tears and her lips were quivering behind her was a gray-haired woman with a skewy blouse and a faded dark blue serge skirt too long for the prevailing fashion the tears were trickling down her cheeks also and an old man with a crutch and a little round-eyed girl seemed to belong to the party the old man's lips were set and he was looking at the boys with his heart in his eyes ruth shrank back not to intrude upon such open sorrow and glanced at the line again as they straggled down the road to the platform 
fifty serious grave-eyed young men with determined mien and sorrow in the very droop of their shoulders one could see how they hated all this publicity and display this tense moment of farewell in the eyes of the town and yet how tender they felt toward those dear ones who had gathered thus to do them honor as they went away to do their part in the great world struggle for liberty as she looked closer the girl saw they were not mature men as at first glance they had seemed but most of them mere boys there was the boy that mowed the macdonald lawn and the yellow-haired grocery boy there was the gas man and the nice young plumber who fixed the leak in the water pipes the other day and the clerk from the post office and the cashier from the bank what made them look so old at first sight why it was as if sorrow and responsibility had suddenly been put upon them like a garment that morning for a uniform and they walked in the shadow of the great sadness that had come upon the world she understood that perhaps even up to the very day before they had most of them been merry careless boys but now they were men made so in a night by the horrible sin that had brought about this thing called war for the first time since the war began ruth macdonald had a vision of what the war meant she had been knitting of course with all the rest she had spent long mornings at the red cross rooms she was on her way there this very minute when michael and the procession had interrupted her course she had made miles of surgical dressing and picked tons of oakum she had bade her men friends cheery good-byes when they went to officers training camps and with the other girls welcomed and admired their uniforms when they came home on short furloughs one by one winning his stripes and commission they were all men whom she had known in society they had wealth and position and found it easy to get into the kind of thing that pleased them in the army or navy the danger they were facing seemed hardly a negligible quantity it was the fashion to look on it that way ruth had never thought about it before she had even been severe in her judgment of a few mothers who worried about their sons and wanted them to get exempt in some way but these stern loyal mothers who stood in close ranks with heavy lines of sacrifice upon their faces tears on their cheeks love and self-abnegation in their eyes gave her a new view of the world these were the ones who would be in actual poverty some of them without their boys and whose lives would be empty indeed when they went forth ruth macdonald had never before realized the suffering this war was causing individuals until she saw the faces of those women with their sons and brothers and lovers until she saw the faces of the brave boys for the moment all the rollicking lightness gone and only the pain of parting and the mists of the unknown future in their eyes it came to the girl with a sudden pang that she was left out of all this that really it made little difference to her whether america was in the war or not her life would go on just the same a pleasant monotony of bustle and amusement there would be the same round of social affairs and regular engagements spiced with the excitement of war work and occasional visiting uniforms there was no one going forth from their home to fight whose going would put the light of life out for her and cause her to feel sad beyond the ordinary superficial sadness for the absence of one's playmates she liked them all her friends and shrank from having them in danger although it was splendid to have them doing something real at last in truth until this moment the danger had seemed so remote the casualty list of which people spoke with bated breath 
so much a thing of vast unknown numbers that it had scarcely come within her realization as yet but now she suddenly read the truth in the suffering eyes of these people who were met to say good-bye perhaps a last good-bye to those who were dearer than life to them how would she ruth macdonald feel if one of those boys were her brother or lover it was inconceivably dreadful the band blared on and the familiar words insisted themselves upon her unwilling mind there's a long long night of waiting a sob at her right made her start and then turn away quickly from the sight of a mother's grief as she clung to a frail daughter for support sobbing with utter abandon while the daughter kept begging her to be calm for tom's sake it was all horrible why had she gotten into this situation aunt rhoda would blame her for it aunt rhoda would say it was too conspicuous right there in the front ranks she put her hand on the starter and glanced out hoping to be able to back out and get away but the road behind was blocked several deep with cars and the crowd had closed in upon her and about her on every side retreat was impossible however she noticed with relief that the matter of being conspicuous need not trouble her nobody was looking her way all eyes were turned in one direction toward that straggling determined line that wound up from the borough hall past the post-office and bank to the station where the home guard stood uniformed in open silent ranks doing honor to the boys who were going to fight for them ruth's eyes went reluctantly back to the marching line again somehow it struck her that they would not have seemed so forlorn if they had worn new trig uniforms instead of rusty varied civilian clothes they seemed like an ill-prepared sacrifice passing in review then suddenly her gaze was riveted upon a single figure the last man in the procession marching alone with uplifted head and a look of self-abnegation on his strong young face all at once something sharp seemed to slash through her soul and hold her with a long quiver of pain and she sat looking straight ahead staring with a kind of wild frenzy at john cameron walking alone at the end of the line she remembered him in her youngest school days the imp of the grammar school with a twinkle in his eye and an irrepressible grin on his handsome face nothing had ever daunted him and no punishment had ever stopped his mischief he never studied his lessons yet he always seemed to know enough to carry him through and would sometimes burst out with astonishing knowledge where others failed but there was always that joke on his lips and that wide delightful grin that made him the worshipped afar of all the little girls he had dropped a rose on her desk once as he lounged late and laughing to his seat after recess apparently unaware that his teacher was calling him to order she could feel the thrill of her little childish heart now as she realized that he had given the rose to her the next term she was sent to a private school and saw no more of him save an occasional glimpse in passing him on the street but she never had forgotten him and now and then she had heard little scraps of news about him he was working his way through college he was on the football team and the baseball team she knew vaguely that his father had died and that their money was gone but beyond that she had had no knowledge of him they had drifted apart he was not of her world and gossip about him seldom came her way he had long ago ceased to look at her when they happened to pass on the street he doubtless had forgotten her or thought she had forgotten him 
or it might even be that he did not wish to presume upon an acquaintance begun when she was too young to have a choice of whom should be her friends but the memory of that rose had never quite faded from her heart even though she had been but seven and always she had looked after him when she chanced to see him on the street with a kind of admiration and wonder now suddenly she saw him in another light the laugh was gone from his lips and the twinkle from his eyes he looked as he had looked the day he fought chuck woodcock for tying a string across the sidewalk and tripping up the little girls on the way to school it came to her like a revelation that he was going forth now in such a way to fight the world foe in a way he was going to fight for her to make the world a safe place for girls such as she all the terrible stories of belgium flashed across her mind and she was lifted on a great wave of gratitude to this boy friend of her babyhood for going out to defend her all the rest of the straggling line of draft men were going out for the same purpose perhaps but it did not occur to her that they were anything to her until she saw john cameron all those friends of her own world who were training for officers they too were going to fight in the same way to defend the world but she had not thought of it in that way before it took a sight of john cameron's high bearing and serious face to bring the knowledge to her mind she thought no longer of trying to get away she seemed held to the spot by a new insight into life she could not take her eyes from the face of the young man she forgot that she was staying forgot that she was staring she could no more control the swelling thoughts of horror that surged over her and took possession of her than she could have controlled a mob if it had suddenly swept down upon her the gates presently lifted silently to let the little procession pass over to her side of the tracks and within a few short minutes the special train that was to bear the men away to camp came rattling up laden with other victims of the chance that sent some men on ahead to be pioneers in the camps these were a noisy jolly bunch perhaps having had their own sad partings they were only trying to brace themselves against the scenes of other partings through which they must pass all the way along the line they must be reminded of their own mothers and sisters and sweethearts something of this ruth macdonald seemed to define to herself as startled and annoyed by the clamor of the strangers in the midst of the sadness of the moment she turned to look at the crowding heads in the car windows and caught the eye of an irrepressible youth think of me over there he shouted waving a flippant hand and twinkling his eyes at the beautiful girl in her car another time ruth would have resented such familiarity but now something touched her spirit with an inexpressible pity and she let a tiny ripple of a smile pass over her lovely face as her eyes travelled on down the platform in search of the tall form of john cameron in the moment of the oncoming train she had somehow lost sight of him ah there he was stooping over a little white-haired woman taking her tenderly in his arms to kiss her the girl's eyes lingered on him his whole attitude was such a revelation of the man the rollicking boy had become it seemed to pleasantly round out her thought of him the whistle sounded the drafted men gave one last ringing hand-clasp one last look and sprang on board john cameron was the last to board the train he stood on the lower step of the last car as it began to move slowly his hat was lifted and he stood with slightly lifted chin and eyes that looked as if they had sounded the depths of all sadness and surrendered himself to whatever had been decreed 
there was settled sorrow in all the lines of his fine face ruth was startled by the change in it by the look of the boy and the man had the war done that for him just in one short summer had it done that for the thousands who were going to fight for her as she was sitting in her luxurious car with a bundle of wool at her feet and presuming to bear her part by mere knitting poor little useless woman that she was a thing to send a man forth from everything he counted dear or wanted to do into suffering and hardship and death perhaps she shuddered as she watched his face with its strong uplifted look and its unutterable sorrow she had not thought he could look like that oh he would be gay to-morrow like the rest of course with his merry jest and his contagious grin and making light of the serious business of war he would not be the boy he used to be without the ability to do that but she would never forget how he had looked in this farewell minute while he was gazing his last on the life of his boyhood and being borne away into a dubious future she felt a hopelessly yearning as if had there been time she would have liked to have told him how much she appreciated his doing this great deed for her and for all her sisters has it ever been fully explained why the eyes of one person looking hard across a crowd will draw the eyes of another the train had slipped along ten feet or more and was gaining speed when john cameron's eyes met those of ruth macdonald and her vivid speaking face flashed its message to his soul a pleased wonder sprang into his eyes a question as his glance lingered held by the tumult in her face and the unmistakable personality of her glance then his face lit up with its old smile graver oh much and more deferential than it used to be with a certain courtliness in it that spoke of maturity of spirit he lifted his hat a little higher and waved it just a trifle in recognition of her greeting wondering in sudden confusion if he were really not mistaken after all and had perhaps been appropriating a farewell that belonged to someone else then amazed and pleased at the flutter of her handkerchief in reply the train was moving rapidly now in the midst of a deep throaty cheer that sounded more like a sob and still he stood on that bottom step with his hat lifted and let his eyes linger on the slender girlish figure in the car with the morning sun glinting across her red-gold hair and the beautiful soft rose-color in her cheeks as the train swept past the little shelter shed he bethought himself and turned a farewell tender smile on the white-haired woman who stood watching him through a mist of tears then his eyes went back for one last glimpse of the girl and so he flashed out of sight around the curve. End of chapter 2